Good afternoon. It's the 22nd of December. Welcome to the Snake River Lib podcast. We're going to take a trip down the surreal for just a moment, and we're going to give you a not-so-hypothetical situation for your your thoughts. Uh, So just hear it out. Imagine, if you will, a candidate who feels like they've won the election, However, um, after the initial count and after the recount, it was determined that they hadn't. And so this candidate is going to go before the House of Representatives and make an appeal uh, to have the House do its own count where because of the partisan makeup of the House is much more likely to come out in a favorable way to that candidate. How would you feel about that? And more importantly, um, do you think that that is a situation that, to be consistent, um, a party should stand for? Now, you may be saying, well, why doesn't Donald Trump just give it up and move on? Why doesn't he just concede? And I would, of course, tell you that I'm not talking about Donald Trump. Pardon me. I'm talking about the Iowa 2nd District, which was on the first count was originally decided by only 47 votes out of nearly half a million, well, about 400,000. 47 votes. And after the recount was a victory for uh, Marionette Miller-Meeks by 12 votes. The Republican won. Now, the Democrat, uh, Rita Hart, who doesn't want to bother with courts, unlike the president who has tried every available avenue uh, to find satisfaction with what he feels are questionable results in certain states, which any reasonable person would, looking at it objectively, say, that certainly seems strange. Um Rita Hart has decided to not go the court route, but instead is going to appeal to the Speaker of the House to have the House investigate and proclaim her the winner. Believe it or not, this has been done before. And she's fully expecting the House to do that again. Now, actually, I don't think that, uh, one, I don't think that Nancy Pelosi has the support. Uh, if she gets reelected speaker after what she's done uh, to her caucus, it would surprise me. But I don't think that she has the support, especially in light of what may happen um, with the presentation of the electoral vote that the Democrats are not going to be in any mood 
to do that. Because if they were to concede, if Nancy Pelosi was even presented, her whole case against uh, uh, standing against the president's recount completely folds like a cheap tent. And she has no position to stand on that. Which is in and of itself is a very interesting trap. And it'll be interesting to see how she goes with that. Um, but we shall see. Uh, I don't think, like I said, I, I pretty much even uh, yeah, most of the newspapers in Iowa, of course, they don't want to see Republicans win, even though Iowa is more of a, a reddish-purple state than it is um, purple um, the newspapers say, you know, you lost, lady. Why don't you just try again next time? And why didn't you even bother with the courts? You see, unlike, you know, President Trump, who has not, contrary to popular belief, contrary to what the mainstream media will tell you, President Trump has not had his day in court because the courts don't want to have to make a decision on this, on President Trump. They don't want to even, I mean, and I can't blame them in many ways. I mean, it's terrifying to think of the fact that there could be such a wide-scale fraud that it's, that, I mean, that it's a national in scope. But, but putting that aside for just a moment, um, President Trump has not had his day in court, um, They've been dismissed at every every turn uh, without a hearing. No evidence presented in court, uh, just for the record. But uh, Rita Hart has not even gone, made a, a motion of going through court. She's decided that she's going to go straight to Nancy Pelosi and ask her to just rule that the count was wrong and that Rita Hart was the winner. There is precedent for that, like I said, by the way. I didn't look it up because I wanted to get this out here because i uh, got a couple other things I want to talk about. But in the meantime, I uh, just wanted to put that out there. puts the speaker in a really, really tough place um, for when there will be an almost certain challenge to the electoral college votes and i'm going to explain that in just a moment so i'll be right back and so we're back here at the snake river lib podcast uh talking about the electoral college the electoral college has voted that's true and we have a presumed president-elect that's also true however uh when the electoral college uh, vote is presented to the congress um, people can challenge the electors. And if there's at least one member from each house that challenges the electors, there's then a vote. And that's where it gets really, really tricky. Um, we know that there were 106 members of the House of Representatives that uh, signed on to the lawsuit uh, that Texas brought to the Supreme Court and that the Supreme Court decided uh, that they didn't want to get involved. And so with uh, three cowards and three jackasses on the 
on the court making up a significant majority. Um, actually, four cowards and three jackasses. Uh, they decided to uh, not hear the case because they didn't want to make a decision. Uh, kudos, by the way, to uh, Justices um, Alito and Justice Thomas for wanting to at least hear the case uh, because it's it was one of the few times where the Supreme Court, U.S. Supreme Court, was the case of original jurisdiction, meaning that there was no other court to hear such a case. And they pounded. But move on from that. There were half of the Republican caucus uh, signed on to the lawsuit. And so it's quite likely that there will be at least some members of that caucus that will challenge the electors. And actually, um, electors from uh, seven uh, states that are disputed, they're not disputed, of course, by the governors, uh, but they are disputed by um, the legislatures. And so there are dueling sets of electors involved. And when it comes down to it, what happens is is that they have to determine whether or not they're going to accept them. The question is, the House will accept, will ha- will look at the challenge, but will the Senate? And Mitch McConnell has made it very clear that he's going to do everything he can to whip his caucus uh to whip the Republicans to make sure that they do not support this move. Um, We're questioning the electors. And that's going to be a problem because uh, Senator-elect Tommy Tuberville of Atlanta, or of uh, Alabama, rather, I apologize, has said uh, that he will challenge um, the electors of some of these states. And then that comes to the dilemma. So what happens is that the House uh, and the Senate vote. Now, on the surface, it looks like uh, um, in the House, the Republicans, even though the Democrats do have a majority of members, the House doesn't vote by number of members. It votes by states. And the House, the Republicans control the majority of state delegations. I think it's 26-22. The reason why it doesn't add up to uh, 50 is because some of the states, there's an even split delegation. And so they don't get to vote because there's no way to, in a partisan issue, that they can you know, vote one way or the other. Um, but even still, the, the, the straight Republican uh, would still outnumber 26 to 24. But the question is whether or not um, there would be 26 votes for the president or rather for the presidential slates of electors. And then the question becomes what happens to uh, the electors of those disputed states? Do you accept them both, and then Trump has a majority? Do you kick them all out? 
it's it it could be mess, which is why I led with the issue with the Iowa second, because how Nancy Pelosi deals with that issue, which will be right off the bat, is going to have an impact on her credibility when it comes down to what will certainly be an issue with the Electoral College uh, vote uh, certifying um, Joe Biden's uh, position as president-elect. So that will be very interesting to watch. In the Senate, there won't be uh, uh, sufficient votes regarding the electors, and so it does become a big morass. Uh, the president has uh, a few challenges left, but you know, right now, should the president concede or not? I'm not the president. That's up to him. I want to move on, though, and talk about uh, the omnibus bill that passed, which is going to send money to people. Uh, basically, it was like this. There could have been a lot more money to people, everyone. Um, a lot more money for businesses uh, as such. Nancy Pelosi decided she didn't want to allow it because that would have given Trump a victory. It's pure and simple. There's no there's no arguing that. There's no disputing that. That is exactly what happened. She has admitted as such. Pure and simple. However, there were some... There was quite a few people, 50 Republicans in the House voted against it, uh, the omnibus. Uh, a couple Democrats in the House voted against it. Good for them. Um, uh, in the Senate, um, a handful of Republicans voted against the omnibus bill. And why did they do that? Well, it's been 10 years Actually, 11 years, because the last time that a regular order budget was passed for the United States government was for the fiscal 2010. Currently, we are now in fiscal 2011. So for 11 years now, we've been operating on these crappy omnibus bills or continuing resolutions because they cannot do their jobs in Congress. They will not do their jobs in Congress, is a better way to put it. Um, And this is a bipartisan issue. I'm not singling out Democrats here. Um, Republicans are just as likely to break the bank as are Democrats, although if the Republicans do manage to keep the Senate uh, majority with the results in Georgia, that you're, you're going to start hearing all this talk about deficit spending again. Don't believe it. Uh, the last four years have proven that. Um, I mean, again, COVID spending, government is the one that that uh, that killed small business uh, through its COVID restrictions. Government did have an obligation to do something about it. Uh, the states, particularly the states run by autocratic Democrat governors who, who for some reason felt like they could completely eliminate tax revenue in their state and then thought that they could just operate indefinitely or finding out that that's not the case and now are begging for some relief. Um, you know, they just need to learn how to operate within a budget. You know, 
And someday maybe the federal government will be forced to as well. And that's going to get really ugly for all of us, unfortunately. Um, the omnibus bill that was passed, not only did it have the $900, $900 billion for COVID with a, a whopping $600 per person, uh, and it maybe, maybe I should have caveated that. Could you imagine if they'd said, if you, if you had a job and you lost it during COVID, uh, then you qualify for a $600 tag, $600 check. But if you're already on welfare, you don't get a check because guess what? You are, you're already getting checks anyway. Can you imagine how that would have gone? Uh, small businesses, many of those businesses are gone. Many of them are not coming back. Many more of them are going to go away in the blue states in particular. Um, personally, I think that any money given to small businesses at this point to, in particular in the service industry, uh, all you're doing is you're just, you're just, you're just, uh, keeping them alive and that's it. They're not going to survive. Um, there's no way many of them are going to close no matter what you do. Uh, in my opinion, small businesses should just give the finger to the government and close up and just um, do what everybody else does, you know, put your hand out. Yes, it's not the American way, but guess what? The American way is no longer cool. The American way now is to put the hand out. That's why we have Joe Biden elected. I mean, let's let's be honest here. That's why Joe Biden was elected. Um, 5,000, well, almost, you know, 5,600 pages, I think, is how long the omnibus bill was. The final draft of it was yesterday afternoon. They voted on it last night. How many of them do you think read it? How many of them even have a clue as to what kind of tit-for-tat was put in it? Who knows what kind of gimme and gotcha and and who that what that is in it? No one knows, which is why some principled senators uh, voted against it um, because they no way they could read it. And perhaps that's you know may, maybe that should be the standard is you have to read the bill before it can be voted on. Maybe that should be a standard. wonder if they'll ever pass that into law. Nope. Finally, one last thing, and then I'll be done. Uh, Senator Ted Cruz, um, bless his heart, um, made a brilliant suggestion, one that's been argued here before on the lib. I don't take credit for it because I was about 99.999% sure that he would not have heard it here, but I did mention it. And it's worthwhile to mention again, and I will mention that he mentioned it to President Trump. And I hope, hope, hope that President Trump does this before he leaves office. Even though the President has said that we are not part of the Paris uh, Climate Agreement or the Iran Agreement, I think that the President should present both of those agreements to the Senate to be ratified as treaties.
It's never too late to do the constitutional thing. Put them forward. Force the Senate to vote on them. McConnell, if he's still the majority leader, can force the vote. He can say, for Senate, for a treaty vote, we're not going to let you filibuster it. Force the vote. Requires two-thirds majority for a treaty to be ratified. And if they vote him down, then Joe Biden can start off saying, no, no Paris Agreement, no Iran deal. Stop doing backdoor deals. Stop doing deals that you know you cannot get 50 or 37, 36, how many of us? No, 34. 34, I guess, would be would be a two-thirds majority. 33? I'm lou- lousy at math. Um, 33, 34 states. 67 votes in the Senate. How about that? Makes it easy. Stop doing deals that you can't get two-thirds of the states to agree on. If you can't get 67 votes in the Senate, then throw it out. It's not worth it. Don't agree to it. There's a reason why the Constitution requires it. The United States should not enter into any agreement with another nation without having a two-thirds majority of the states through the U.S. Senate agreeing to it. It's that simple. And the best thing that President Trump could do is send those two agreements to the Senate for treaty ratification. That's the best thing the president could do. Besides lay down a whole bunch of pardons. And it's the Snake River Lib. Hopefully some people who've been very brave, uh, Edward Snowden and Julian Assange, hopefully these people will be given pardons for doing so much work in exposing the amount of spying that the government is doing on each of us. By the way, that little speaker that you've got, did you know that anything that you say in your house, if you have one of those things, can be used against you in a court of law? If you have one? Probably on your phone, too. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. It's the Snake River Lib. And remember, Big Brother always listens through the speaker.